Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week we're sitting down with Emily Bracken. Emily is a, another friend from the DuckFeed TV network that I've met through the Bonfire Side Chat Facebook page um, and started exchanging lots and lots of lore ideas with um, as since Dark Souls 3 has come out. Emily's also discovered some interesting bits of lore regarding Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne, and we'll get to those stories inside of the episode. Um, just a quick warning, there's some pretty detailed Dark Souls 3 information um, in this episode, so I just want to toss that out there as a spoiler warning. It's not till the very end, so once we actually start talking about Dark Souls 3, you'll be able to identify it pretty quickly. As always, you can send me a DM at Podcast or an email at dguspodcast at gmail.com with your soul story and for a chance to be on the podcast. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Why don't you tell me about the first time you played Dark Souls or Demon Souls? For that yeah, matter. I actually started on Demon Souls. Uh, so, and that was probably sometime in 2010. Like, I don't think I was in the first wave. Um, but my my then girlfriend, she worked at GameStop, and I guess she had heard about this game from the people that she worked with, or from her friends over there, and uh, just decided to buy it one day. So she brought this home. I'd never heard of it before, but like, I was really into. You know, Western RPGs. Like, I was probably playing, you know, Dragon Age at the time, maybe Fallout New Vegas or Mass Effect. Uh, so I thought, you know, I'd be really into it. And I didn't really know a whole lot of what to expect from it. Like, uh, I got some secondhand information from her. Like, she said that people had told her it was really difficult and uh, played really differently from any other game that, uh, that I might have tried. Uh, but other than that, like, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations going in, and I thought, you know, I'm a, a decent gamer, like, I've been playing games for almost my entire life, like, I'm sure it will be absolutely no problem for me, but, uh, yeah, we all know how that usually goes, so, uh, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the mindset that I was in when I went into it, and man, it did it humble me very, very quickly, um, like, uh, the gameplay just... It took me a really long time to for for that to click for me. Um, so there was some frustration there, but there were other things that were going on that I, I really did like. And uh, first and foremost of those was probably the, the little multiplayer features that they had, like uh, like the messages yeah. and the phantoms. Exactly. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like seeing the little white phantoms running around and realizing those were other players that were playing at the same time. And like I still, you know, I don't know why that you know, amazes me so much because like I was no stranger to MMORPGs either. Um, and that's basically just people running around playing the same game as you at the same time. But I don't know, this felt like so much more of a solo experience. So it was a little bit of a novelty to uh, like see people running around that you didn't necessarily have to interact with and just not feel like you were playing it in a vacuum. Uh, but I had a, a great experience I remember watching, like, seeing that at 
Sorry. I, re- I remember. What, I remember. That's okay. I remember seeing that like the first time I sat down at a bonfire or something, and just being totally freaked out. Like, <laughs> what? Where is that person? You do that thing where you like jump away. Like you're like, whoa, what's that? Is it an enemy? Like I thought right, I was safe. exactly. And I would see them. <laughs> it was such a cool. See them like out of the corner of my eyes when I was fighting something else, and just like you know, oh god, and jump away. And but it's it's they're absolutely harmless. That was an adjustment for me. Um, but I, I had a, a really great experience with the the messaging system really early on. Because in Demon Souls, you've got that uh, that pit, the infamous soul pit uh, that everybody jumps into. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me. Like, I went up to it, and I saw these messages that were, like, you know, the Demon Souls equivalent of try jumping, uh, like, take a step forward or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's it's glowing, you know? It looks magical. That's probably a good idea. And uh, there was this other thing next to it, which, you know, I, I got close to it. It said, touch bloodstain. And, you know, I clicked on it. And I see this little phantom running forward into the pit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's there's the uh, uh, the confirmation I need that this is what I should do without even really thinking about it. Just, you know, stepped in, died immediately. <laughs> and and uh, it's one of those things where, like, as soon as it happens to you, you're like, well, of course. Like, what did I expect? I'm jumping into a hole in a game that is all about, you know, making you die all the time for no reason. Uh, it, like, that would happen just so much during my Demon Souls playthrough. It's just, like, kind of waking you up to, like, these tropes that, you know, games are all about, like, stepping on the glowy thing and going after the shiny bits. And this game was definitely about uh, breaking you of that habit. Yeah, and putting something, putting the glowy at the end of a hallway and then you know just as a player you're like ooh, a shiny right. object you run towards it and then there's like 18 traps on the way yeah. over and like five nights not, i mean not, not that bad but there's definitely something that will kill you along the yeah way. that's surprises are never good in this game <laughs> did you finish demon souls your first time through like, like or did you uh because like i quit at, at, at like 45 minutes in it was ridiculous. yeah I, I get the feeling that that's the story for a lot of people um and i it's hard for me to say that i i quit because i never i think i never really left entirely like it took me about a year or a year and a half to get through demon souls completely i didn't actually get through it until after dark souls was released but i you know like I had a really hard time with the gameplay. Like I would spend a couple hours in it and just feel terrible at the end of it. Like I had made no progress. I've lost all my souls. I'm back to square one. Like I'm never picking up this game again. But then like, yeah, (laughs) that, that amazing souls thing would happen, which is that I would just continue to think about it when I wasn't playing it. Like, you know, I'd like that the red eyed knight destroyed me, but you know, maybe if I tried this strategy like dodging that charge or maybe i should go check out that side area that i haven't explored yet and see what's over there and just i mean it puts so much control in the player's hands that i i always kind of felt like there was something else i could try um you know some other route that i could go so i would keep going back and keep trying and keep feeling terrible and then never you know resolving never to play again and uh I just could never really quit it. So I, I didn't so much as bounce off the game as, you know, just had this long extended flirtation with someone who didn't really want me around. 
<laughs> and yeah, eventually I did get through it. Like I went through maybe three or four different characters. You know, I figured, you know, I just picked the wrong class. Like if I pick a knight, I, I can take more damage. Uh, or if I pick a lighter armored enemy, I can be more evasive. So I just kept rerolling and rerolling. And finally, like after Dark Souls was released, I was like, okay, I just need to finish this game. So I I rolled up a light armored character and it was on one of those holiday weekends that they had where they had yeah, yeah locked the tendency at pure white yeah oh yeah for like a valentine's day thing i remember yeah exactly <laughs> this one was like uh, at christmas i think so they locked the tendency at pure white i logged into the game got to uh, world one one and uh i saw that that door that i had never been through was open on the left hand side there the one that leads to uh, Meralda. And, mm-hmm. and that uh, the bottom of that pit. So I went over there and beat my head against the Phantoms and Meralda for a long time. Finally got through them, uh, found the brushwood set, picked it up, and I was like, oh my god, Like this has more armor than I've ever seen in this game. Like It must be the best <laughs> armor set. I'm like sequence breaking or something. This is amazing. So I put it on and I never took it off. <laughs> like that, I went through the entire game with the brushwood set on. It was... That's a, it's a cool looking set of it armor. It looked like, amazing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Looked amazing, and uh, it, you know, really helped in some areas. Like three two was just absolutely trivialized with the gargoyles. Uh, they just bounced off my shield. I didn't have to roll to dodge them, so like the the uh, walkways were no problem. But uh, man, flame lurker. <laughs> oh, I bet he, yeah, I bet that was an interesting yeah, fight. <laughs> he just chewed through me, uh, but uh, I, I did eventually get through it with him. It sounds impressive that throughout all of this time, and I'm just, and maybe I'm wrong, but I get the feeling like you weren't consulting wikis or anything either. Like, because, like, if you didn't, like, if you weren't looking up stuff, like, if you were just trying to figure it out on your own, that that's that's cr- that's crazy. Like, the first place I go to, not the first place, but like, if I get stuck for a game for more than like a month, like, I'm probably just gonna look up what I'm what I'm what I need to do. You right, know what I'm exactly. So, did, you never looked at any kind of wikis. Uh, or you know, early on, like, I think it was a source of pride for me. Like, I know how to play games. Mm-hmm. I don't need to look online for help. Uh, I could figure this out on my own. And that's probably part of the reason why it took me so long to get through it. Um, just because I would get stuck and then refuse to look at wikis. Um, but I did eventually, like, that, you know, after Dark Souls was released and I wanted to finish Demon Souls first, I was like, okay, I probably need to look for help for this. Because, yeah, I'll be honest, <laughs> like, one of the times that I quit, uh, was on World 2-1. Uh, I was mm-hmm. working on the armor spider, and Jeremy, I had not found the shortcut. So, oh no! <laughs> yeah, and I was I was playing with <laughs> with the brushwood set, the, a heavy melee build. Um, and I every time I died, I had to run back the entire way through 2-1, and that is a long ass level. Oh man, that is <laughs> such a long level if you don't have that yeah, shortcut. Yeah, it is. So I think that might have been where I broke and, you know, started looking at wikis, found the shortcut and, and got stuff under control. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of continued that through the rest of the game. And it was at that point that I kind of realized how, nece- like, what a necessity those wikis are. Just like all the, the secret stuff that was going on that I would never have any clue, like, how to find these shortcuts or these secrets like i was like you know oh like this is actually an impossible game to play by yourself 
Like, I, I'm sure that like some people can probably get through that without using a wiki, but you know, I'm not one of them. Like, <laughs> I have other things to do, uh, and uh, I'm not, you know, that amazing of a, of a gamer. I, I think you could easily get through the games. I just don't think that you could ever find every single thing yeah. out without without the community's help in at least some ways. I mean, just some of the stuff is so obscure and that you would. Always go back to um, Siegmeier's quest in Dark Souls 1 and how he winds up in Blight Town for pretty much no reason. Like, I remember reading that going, why would I ever want to go back down there? That place is horrible. Yeah, and I found him at that part because I found him at Firelink when he was talking about going down to Blight Town. Um, but uh, I, I never I found they, him. I guess they do signpost that. Yeah, yeah, but Ash Lake, he never would signpost that. Like, how would I ever have found him there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's such a weird exactly thing. like who thinks to check that so when you um you, you finally beat demon souls and you said that was after dark souls when it came out did you like were you just kind of done with the series for a while or did you just like pick up dark souls immediately like yep I oh i picked it up immediately yeah i think it may have actually been the same day that i beat demon souls yeah. wow <laughs> well I, I yeah i beat it um i played it and i beat it probably over the course of like five days because it was christmas break uh, so I just wanted to get it done. We had this game sitting there that I really wanted to try, so I had a lot of motivation to do it. That's insane. I can't imagine like playing Demon Souls for five days. Oh, actually, you know what? I can totally imagine it. I, I don't know why I'm saying that. I have totally done that uh-huh. in my life yeah. before. <laughs> a lot of us have. Just, yeah, just completely get consumed by it. Um, for the listeners out there, uh, you and I have known each other for a little bit through uh, the Duck Feed community, mm-hmm. both being fans of Bonfire Side Chat, um, and I have had so far a lot of guests from the Duck Feed community right, on the right. show. Um, but like one of the things that one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show is because you have such an interesting perspective on the lore. Did that did that start with Demon Souls? Like, did you start kind of? T- tearing the game apart um with demons or did it take a while to kind of figure out how those item descriptions how the storytelling in those games work oh uh yeah like uh, the setting of demon souls grabbed me immediately like it it did a lot of things that felt really different and novel at the time like you know usually in a, a western rpg you start in the castle uh the knights in shining armor are on your side and you like strike out into the wilderness to fight monsters but this kind of subverted that turned it on its head um so kind of that was my first clue there was something different going on this set with this setting and i was interested in knowing you know how exactly uh, boletaria got into this state uh what was going on with this false king or well i didn't know he was false at the time but uh, king alant and and where the demons come from and what's up with the old one and that that sort of thing so um actually before i even finished the game I don't know at what point this happened, but uh, I started looking into the lore. And uh, actually, we had this little art book that came with the game. I think it was like a special edition uh, that had concept art, but also a few little snippets about some of the monsters that you face. Like, uh, it talks about, you know, how the dragonlings were like fixing pieces of wood to themselves as armor, or like Maneater, how he was formed, and... You know, the scar tissue that shows where he was sewn together and like all those little tiny details. I live for that stuff. Like I love uh, RPGs like the the Elder Scrolls series where I can go and read books that were written like in the game and feel like, you know, I can really dig into that setting and all the, the little details that make it seem like a real place. 
so yeah, I really latched onto that uh, very early on. And uh, I found at some point like this massive uh, game fact that somebody had written that was exclusively about the lore and Demon Souls. And, you know, it was just massive pages and pages of uh, ask, yeah. <laughs> single t- single uh-huh, spaced. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, that, uh, what do they call that? Proportionally sized font uh, courier new or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, just about all of these locations you'd visit and the, the people and the monsters that you would encounter and what was going on with them. And then that's where I encountered stuff about uh, item proximity and item text being really important in terms of storytelling, like uh, kind of environmental storytelling, like the leechmonger. Yep, because if you, if you like, don't, like if you're not familiar with like the, how the soul series works, you read that stuff in the lore, and you're, someone would write up that stuff in the lore, and you go, "Where did you get yeah, this from?" Yeah, exactly. I didn't. I didn't see these cutscenes. Yeah, scenes. it blowed <laughs> my goddamn mind. Uh, like, they, the, fortunately, this game fact post didn't like assume that you knew that offhand. It included like the item text and various things to back it up. So yeah, I was way into that, and uh, I was also like noticing that there was more than one person that was kind of collaborating on this uh like the the game fact would mention other people that had brought these this other item text to his attention and they talked about you know how it tied together and changed things that they thought and like that's really cool you know working together with other people to kind of come up with this collaborative story like i was into that as well so but i never really thought to to get involved with like the lore building uh for a long time actually not until dark souls 2 Oh really? So even with Dark Souls One, when you finally finally completed Demon <laughs> Souls and got into that, you weren't you weren't really like kind of contributing to wikis or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no. At that point, I was still just trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> what did you? What was your opinion of Dark Souls One coming from demons? Um, like, were you just as just as enthralled with it, or were you kind of doing some contrasting and comparing and coming up short, or where, where were you at? Uh, yeah, like I, I think. Um, it hooked me pretty quickly. Like, it the gameplay felt really familiar. Um, it took me a little while to come to terms with like the whole bonfire mechanic. You know, I didn't have a hub world that I could teleport back to at any time, um, and yeah, you know, there was just one starting point. But yeah, I remember maybe a couple hours in, in the middle of Undeadburg, just kind of turning to my my then girlfriend and being like, "Man, I don't know about this." this uh bonfire mechanic it's kind of weird but but i think i i think i like it and it's like i've come to really really like it since then but it made a strong first impression oh absolutely yeah just with that whole with the opening like because even in demon souls like the boss like you meet the um i can't i think it's like the vanguard demon maybe but you like it's, it's pretty much instant yep. death like you have no idea what you're supposed to do and dark is the same way except like you kind of get that it's a little bit more majestic, I think. Like you get him like dropping in, and like you can run around, and like it's just. I think it's a little bit more terrifying, and that, that makes just makes it a, a little bit more of an impression. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's it's definitely in your face from the the very beginning. Um, kind of a lot less subtle with the boss mechanics, but I think Demon Souls like it did a better job of capturing sort of this grotesque horror. Uh, aesthetic than than Dark Souls did, which was mostly about medieval um, or high fantasy settings. Uh, so I, I still like Demon Souls is 
still like one of my favorite settings out of all the Soulsborne games that have come out. Just because I, I, I really dig like that sort of long game uh, creeping dread and uh, like, I don't know. It's like it's full of, of like uh, humans that um, have had their corruption enhanced by sort of the, the flavor of the world. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas Dark Souls is more about external forces rather than uh, internal corruption. And that's always going to resonate more with me. Yeah, that descent into uh, like three two. Oh yeah, getting into getting into three two was probably one of the most mind-boggling experiences of my gaming career. Just like, oh my, what what yep. is happening? Like, I could handle the prison, and I kind of I had like a basis for understanding, even though like there were weird like squiggly-headed monsters everywhere. But then three two with the giant heart mm -hmm. and that's like, man, I just that oh this man seated centipedes a, too. They're horrible. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, this is so weird. Like that's, that that game just like went weird all of a sudden, and not even all of a sudden. Like, like World Two is still very strange and and odd. But like, there's something about World Three that just like it's still to this day sends shivers down yeah, my spine. It's absolutely, crazy. I agree. So, did you um like playing through Dark Souls? Did you do the same thing where you kind of started and restarted with different characters, or did you have a little bit more of a a handle on the game from yeah the i definitely i want you figured out the definitely bonfire. had yeah i definitely had more of a handle on the game from the start and once i started it i finished it uh very quickly probably within i don't know maybe a month or two of when i started it um but i, I was did you do sword and board again just like do a heavy armor <laughs> no class? um i actually uh, rolled up a sorcerer uh you know and telling myself that i wanted a, a change in in the gameplay but if I'm honest, uh, it's because I heard that Royal was completely overpowered in Demon Souls. <laughs> so I wanted a little bit of an easier time with it, and I, I didn't quite get what I was hoping for. <laughs> yes. I did. I did Sorcerer as one of my first runs in, in Dark Souls, and I don't. I don't. I don't really regret it. Like I, I, I still like playing magic builds and and in the Souls games, even though in Dark Souls three it's not quite as good as the previous mm -hmm. games. But yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. D just having a ranged option that, like that is so. Helpful. Yeah, I agree. It, it made some bosses a lot easier, but man, did I have a hard time with. Uh, um, oh shoot. Yep, <laughs> you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Yep, yeah, he was rough. Like <laughs> the one where you have no distance. Or yeah, no exactly. He just kept one shotting me as soon as I stepped through the door. There was absolutely nothing I could do, like until I had mastered that sort of dodge to the right, uh, as you do. Oh man, that's such a that's such a huge check on like your knowledge of the game, like that just that boss directly in your face immediately, like no no mm -hmm. holds barred. That's uh, and then those dogs, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're terrible. Yeah. I was watching um, John stream it from the from the Slack. Um, he was streaming his first runs through there, and it was. He was like, well, do I dodge do I, two steps to the right and then maybe dodge left? Like, it, was, it was almost like he was treating it like a puzzle game. It was very Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you kind of have to. Like, it, it requires such precision just right off the bat. Or you're, you're wrecked, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like you just get immediately wrecked. So do you, uh, like, with Dark Souls 1, do you, once you finish the game with your first character, do you go back through and just play it over and over again? Like, what what is your kind of approach to the games? Do you get into the PvP side of stuff, or what happens? Yeah, I, I think um, I didn't so much get into the multiplayer in either Demon Souls or Dark Souls. Uh, you know, I was playing it mostly as a, a solo game back then. 
Um, but I did, you know, after I finished the Sorcerer, immediately started playing again on the same character. Like, and and yeah, I have continued that through uh, the later Souls titles. Like, I will immediately just start into New Game Plus, which it's it's been nice in games like uh, Dark Souls Two, where they actually add new enemies and and uh, new items. Um, a little bit less so in Dark Souls Three, where there's not a whole lot of uh, variation to look forward to but like i mean i at least like to start into new game plus because it's a little bit empowering Mm -hmm. after you get through those final difficult battles in a souls game to to take a step back to where you started and just kind of wreck the shop (laughs) doing the victory lap yeah it's just so much fun like okay like all of these dudes that were like so hard at the beginning i'm just chopping straight through them and having a good time with Exactly, yeah. And once I, you know, kind of hit that first wall, that's usually the point at which I'll start a new character. So, yeah, I did. I created a sword and board character after I was uh, fed up with, with Sorcerer. So you mentioned earlier, like, the um, having gone through and kind of figured out how the Souls games tell stories and, like, how much of an impact Demon Souls had on you it was obviously going into the game, you kind of knew, okay, I'm going to read every single item description. <laughs> did... Was that like a? Were you just were you still trying to figure everything out for yourself, or were you going to Wikipedia pages and reading, or have, what was happening there? Yeah, mostly I was reading. Like I don't think I really got into um, you know thoroughly studying item text uh, until Dark Souls Two. Um, so I mostly relied on other people to collate that information for me. At this point, uh, again, yeah, I was mostly concerning myself with staying alive (laughs) but you know i was into what was going on and i really liked the conversations people were having and especially like when they disagreed about how to interpret something like i kind of like that there's more than one way to to see these things um you were reading those conversations online or you were having them with your friends or where were you where were you seeing those conversations online yeah yeah that's probably the point at which i found the the dark souls reddit and lurked there for a bit um, didn't really get involved, but just kind of kept myself up to date with what was going on in the game. Yeah, that's so. It's so weird because all of my stuff, all of my Dark Souls stuff, comes from the Something Awful forums. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that there was like, and they, I know it to be true in my head, but it's like mm-hmm. it's just weird to think about that. Like, there's a there's a whole other whole other areas of people on the internet trying to figure out the exact same stuff we were trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, often like coming to completely different conclusions <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh no you you're, you're from the something awful forms you think that artorius is da, 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 da. it's like different schools of thought <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting it's like um you know who can form the most convincing argument about some of these things for which there is just like tenuous information yeah that's that's one of the things i like about it is that um you can come to a conclusion and it can be the right conclusion based on the evidence, but it just doesn't necessarily mean that it's true or that it's everyone's conclusion. Like you can, everyone can have their own, and it's not even really headcanon. Like you can kind of just like come up to your own stuff about it and say, "Nope, this is this is this is what happened. This is what I choose to believe based mm-hmm. on this evidence." Yeah, uh, it's one of the things that draws me to the series. Yeah, exactly. It seems like you know, um, in the initial month or so after a Souls release, like a lot of people are, are coming together and sharing their. Uh, encounters and experiences and interpretation but about about this point uh things get a little bit quieter like it's almost like people have heard all of the information that's out there and have made their own decisions and there's not quite as much to say 
Yeah, it's interesting seeing um, because I've been there for Dark Souls two on release and Bloodborne, and now Dark Souls three. And specifically with Dark Souls three, like seeing the community reaction to kind of the lore stuff, especially because a lot of it was already known ahead of time. Like you know, mm-hmm. they they had so much of the game available pre-release that you know Vadi was making lore videos for God's sakes, like yep. that's ridiculous. Um, but like seeing the community kind of expand to accept like all of these different theories and then contract around them almost immediately. Like, nope, okay, so this is what we've decided, and this is the only thing that is going to happen. Like, it's it's been kind of interesting watching people react to it. Like, again, going back to the something awful forums, I skim that thread nowadays, and I, I can't keep up with it. It moves too fast, and I'm like, man, <laughs> it's just like people have decided like this is the way it is, <laughs> yeah, and that's but- so unusual for me for Souls. Like, I'm used to people just kind of saying, well, like, it might be this. But yeah, yeah, and that makes it a little bit difficult. Um, uh, like I've done most of my um, kind of lore contributions through Reddit, uh, and the fact that people come to these different conclusions, like it's almost like to have a conversation about the lore, you have to have people that are basically on the same page um, about the assumptions that they're making, because you have to make assumptions. Uh, so, like, somebody will make a convincing argument one way, and someone may, will make a convincing argument another way. So half of the community believes this thing, and half believes the other thing, and, like, how do you have a conversation where those assumptions aren't the same? Because you have to kind of build on that for, for uh, you know, certain other assumptions that you're going to make. So <laughs> I, I think, or I get the feeling that that's why things get a little quieter about this stage after release because some of these conversations just don't go anywhere after a certain period of time yeah you're just circling around each other saying well no no this is what i think or no this is what you think right right Um, exactly at least until we get dlc like what happened with dark souls one what a year later that we had dlc release that kind of like everyone kind of thought what the dlc would be based on the name and things Mm -hmm. like that but like oh boy did that get into some lore territory like in such a good way (laughs) oh my god yes yeah that i think uh, Artorius of the Abyss is still my favorite DLC of any that's come out in the series. It just went in such an interesting direction, and it recontextualized the ending of the core game. Uh, yeah, I, I loved Artorius of the Abyss. And it filled in such a great story, too. Like, you had kind of heard throughout the main game, Artorius, 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 mm-hmm. like, you know, Sif, and then the things it does with Sif, which has always been a you know a huge fan favorite of a boss and like I, i'm i'm i love sif like i think that boss fight is good it's thematically great like the character is really interesting which is a weird thing to say for a wolf that doesn't talk right right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like i'm i'm if, if the bloodborne the old hunters didn't exist i would probably say that yeah that's probably my favorite dlc but man mm-hmm. the, the old hunters is just such a and we'll get there eventually in the conversation right. but yeah that's yeah that that stuff is just nuts yes um Old Hunters is absolutely fantastic. I agree. So I like to, when we start talking about Dark Souls 2, and I think I've asked it with just about for just about everybody now, I like to find out um, like where they fall on the controversy <laughs> around Dark Souls 2. Because I always get weird answers, and it's not even weird answers, but like most of my answers are like, uh, yeah, I, I don't hate it as much as everybody does, which makes me think that nobody actually hates it as much as the internet thinks that people hate it. <laughs> so. Yeah, or maybe the people that hate it are just way more vocal than the people that, you know, are just kind of neutral, which is where I fall. I, I really enjoyed Dark Souls 2. Uh, there were some things yeah. that I, I felt like it didn't do quite as well as earlier entries. Like the the mm-hmm. level structure, I really miss having that 
interconnected world, or at least, you know, levels that doubled back on themselves. Uh, you know, just starting from one point and working your way to another is um, not quite as exciting for me. But I, I mean, I think it did some things really well. Like, I liked a lot of the storytelling in it. Uh, it seriously improved, uh, you know, the cooperative stuff. Uh, all the PvP covenants in it were really great. Um, in a way that I don't think any of the, the later titles would replicate. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really liked Dark Souls 2, and I'll still go back and, and play it today. Yeah, the, the Scholar of the First Sin version on PS4 is... is like I was surprised about how much I went back and really, really enjoyed that game, because coming out of Dark Souls 2, I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, I only put 150 hours into it. Like, it made me not like it that much or, or whatever. Like, um, but then going back to it um, and, and, you know, kind of starting from the beginning and playing all the DLC again and all that stuff, like, I, I ended up really, really coming out of it a lot more positively than I thought I would have. And it helped listening to stuff like Bonfireside Chat and especially um, mm-hmm. Twin Humanities, um, because if you... CJ just like talks about the story in that game in such a way that like you can't help but like th- look at yourself and go like well why don't I feel that like am I a robot? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I like um, CJ. I've never really listened to Twin Humanities, but I should because I've enjoyed all of his appearances on Bonfireside Chat. So uh, I'll I'll give that a listen. And uh, yeah, I I just I really liked Dark Souls too. Um, it's a good experience for me, and the DLC was just incredibly solid. And and Scholar of the First Sin especially, I think serve to kind of cement that for me. Uh, I was also at that point like a lot more involved in the lore community. Like mm-hmm. uh, the game actually released two weeks earlier on consoles and I was set on playing it on PC because I had gotten the prepared to die edition for PC and just enjoyed that experience much more than playing it on the, the PlayStation. So I, I went with that, but man, those two weeks between the console release <laughs> and the PC, they, they were absolutely murder for me. Uh, especially, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. And especially, like, I was completely invested in the story at that point. So I really wanted to know what was going on and what was new and what it meant. So I was just glued to the Reddit. Like, I wanted everything. And I was looking up item descriptions before the game was even released for PC. Because I just, you know, I wanted to figure out what was going on. But uh, this is, was kind of a, a learning experience for me. Because, you know, I would read what people were saying and, and try to, to understand uh, what it meant in the game. But, like, until you actually get inside of a Souls game, so much of the environmental story or the storytelling is done through the environment that it's really hard to put everything into context without seeing it, without being there. Seeing, like, uh, what does this area look like where you find this item? Or what does this boss fight feel like? Uh, It just, you know, recontextualizes everything in a way that's very unexpected. So real quick, going going back for just a second, um, before the game's coming out, you're on Reddit and you're on the wikis, like reading the item descriptions. Are you looking up like like are you just in full spoiler mode? So like, oh. like looking up boss names and the whole nine? Yeah, yeah. Like I <laughs> going into it, I, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna look up very minor spoilers or like the, the <laughs> intro area. But no, no, no. Like that was just uh, just kept rolling downhill. Like. I, I I could not stop myself once, you know, I had uncovered a new thread 
I wanted to follow it to its conclusion. So I was completely spoiled on Dark Souls 2 by the time it came out on PC. Yeah. There was so you knew, like, Ornstein was in the game, and you were probably like, what the heck is this, and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and I knew about, like, uh, the Vendrick reveal. Like, I hate that I spoiled that for myself, because it sounds like it would have been such an amazing moment to kind of come upon organically, to finally see him and, and what kind of a state that he's in. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess within two weeks, like, I'm sure within probably three or four days, like, everything about that game was on the internet, just about, like, yes, mm-hmm. most of the major plot points were probably out there. Wow, I didn't I didn't really think about that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that would have been so frustrating. <laughs> yep. I, I, I bought it on, con- on console because I just, I couldn't wait. Like, I just, I couldn't make myself wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't blame you, <laughs> having gone through that uh, interstitial period now. Uh, and experience what it's like. I, I don't like that weight. I didn't like it in Dark Souls 3, and like that was only the Japanese release. Oh, I know. Were you tempted in Dark Souls 3 to jump into like, the Japanese version or anything? Mm, not really. Like I wanted the full experience without half of the content being inaccessible to me, like via the, the item descriptions being in another language. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I wanted to wait. And I basically went on a social media vacation took a lot of people off of my subscription list on YouTube and didn't touch uh, Twitter or, or Tumblr for a very long time. Oh man, it was so hard. It, like, it, it really was. It was so hard to keep get rid of it. Like I couldn't, I didn't look at Tumblr at all. I just figured that stuff was all over Tumblr, like and muting people on Twitter and like just barely looking at YouTube. Like it was, I guess I don't want to sound make it sound like, oh, it was rough. Like I had a hard time, <laughs> but, it, but it was just like, man, I just don't want to know anything. Like I want to have those moments where you go in and you're, completely surprised and i i I did okay uh but like because there were some major things in dark souls 3 that just blew my mind Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. so i'm glad i didn't get everything spoiled yeah and i i did you know despite my precautions get a couple things spoiled but fortunately they were early spoilers not too significant yeah probably the two that everybody got spoiled was just about which was firelink and andre yep so that's yeah that's that was the two big ones that were going around right of course they were showing that off like they were showing that off like weeks before Uh, Uh, don't even get me started i have i have have recorded so many minutes of podcast ranting about bamco no i i understand i've spent a lot of time on that as well (laughs) we don't need to open that can of worms again what was your uh but going back to Dark Souls too, like what was your uh like what were you kinda looking at from a from the lore perspective? Like what were you trying to piece together at, at the when you finally got your hands on the game and you were able to experience some of the environmental storytelling? Um I, I got in uh, <laughs> I spent uh way more time than it deserved uh concentrating on uh, the Prince of Alcan and the, the Princess of Ven or whoever <laughs> whichever one okay. was which uh like the the two towers and mostly that's because a lot of people get really confused about which one is which um so <laughs> parsing that and and making it apparent to the people on Reddit was something I, I focused too much of my time on and (laughs) discussing you know who they might have been and you know were they the lost sinner and the the smelter or not the smelter demon yeah iron king Mm -hmm. uh and all of those various possibilities like I, i got into that and then um i actually uh you know i spend a lot of time looking at the environment in these games just because that's a very fun aspect of it for me like they tend to pack a whole lot of detail into the environment design. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I see something that really stands out, I pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, and I actually ended up discovering that the tablets in the Shrine of Winter were the same designs that you find in uh, 
uh, where is it? That uh, bar relief in the Dragon Shrine. Oh, really? That was you? Because I've seen that image comparing it like a hundred times. I didn't realize that you would. You were the first person to bring that up on Reddit. Yep, that was me. Wow. Nice. Yep, so, and like, I love making discoveries like that. Like, I, I really, I like exploring these games and kind of being like an archaeologist uh, just for the sake of it. Like, you know, trying to find patterns that match up and uh, these visual comparisons. But uh, when it pays off, it feels really good, you know? And, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and then, you know, there's all the fun speculation about well, what does this mean and, um, like, what does it mean that it's in the, the Shrine of Winters as something that's significant to, to the setting and who might these characters be? And that's all a lot of fun stuff for me what is it depicting like yeah. all of that kind of thing like, yeah yeah like I, I remember looking at those real carefully with binoculars and like just kind of like <laughs> what is this man right. like i i don't get as i don't get too far down it because um there's something in me that just wants to like i i can't i can only do that for so long before i'm like okay i have to play the game now i'm just gonna <laughs> I have to I have to keep going i want to see the rest of the stuff um right yeah and yeah. i i have to admit like i'm the same way on my first playthrough like i will take some time to to kind of look at things and and notice the way that the things are laid out or if there's something interesting that catches my eye but but man mostly i just want to power through it and see the entire thing uh, so when when i go back and i do these deep dives looking at the scenery it's usually on like my second or third playthrough. I've had a lot of fun um, invading and then just w- wandering around, not bothering with the host, and then yeah. you know looking at stuff and like looking at all the enemies with binoculars and stuff, like getting real up close to them and taking screenshots. I love doing that kind of stuff. Well, I'm glad because uh, it really helped me out when you uh, <laughs> when you did me that favor in Bloodborne. Yeah, that was um, so. I guess that was probably the first time that like I we would ever really kind of talk directly. Um, but you had asked on the and this this is a cool story. Um, you had asked on the Bonfire Side Chat Facebook page of like, hey, I've got an I, I don't remember quite what the phrasing was, but basically like I have an idea. Can someone get screenshots of the um, Winter Lanterns, mm-hmm. Lan- Winter Lanterns, um, or brain trusts as we called them like, back I then. Just, the brain trust, yeah, but because that was pre-guide, wasn't it? So yep. we didn't have any 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 good names for anything. Not that you know, snake ball is a good name. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Um, so yeah, I went and took some screenshots, and then uh, just I think I just uploaded them directly to the Facebook page, or emailed them to you, or what have you. Mm-hmm. And um, from those shots, you kind of derived that they were. Um, well, I'll let you tell it. Like, what? How did you? What were you looking at at the time? Uh, yeah. Well. Um... I, I mean, the Winter Lanterns were something that just really stood out for me. Just kind of knowing that uh, From Software often hides like their best lore secrets in really inaccessible places uh, or behind like difficult content. Uh, I knew that like there must be something going on with those Winter Lanterns because you couldn't even get close to them, close enough to see them. But they had these interesting like grotesque designs it's just massive brain seated on top of this uh this dress you know like dressed up body so i i spent some time looking at images of them that had been uploaded to the wikis and these were like probably pictures that people had taken of their television screens jeremy they were they were tiny (laughs) horrible pixelated images but like again i just I really am into like looking for visual patterns and, and that kind of thing. And I was like, I know that I've seen that someplace before. So I started looking 
at, uh, you know, character screenshots, found the doll, and I was like, man, this is definitely the same outfit. Like, it was hard to see, but I, I figured that other people would see it too. So I went to the Reddit with it, and they were just like, you are crazy. Like, that looks, <laughs> it looks closer to the Kanehurst uh, dress than it does to the doll's dress, so... So yeah, at that point, like I was pretty sure that I was right, but I had absolutely no way of proving it because I had just started New Game Plus, and you know you only see those in the core game, uh, in the Nightmare Frontier. So pretty late, yeah. yeah. It would have taken me forever to get there, uh, and uh, so yeah, that's when I went to the Facebook to ask for help. And I, man, I would have never had the idea to invade in order to get pictures of them. Like that's brilliant. Like not only does it involve <laughs> or uh, avoid the whole frenzy mechanic, but like you know, the motion blur of, of combat with them. So, yeah, you got some really great shots, and it proved it uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, that was and that was fun. That eventually led to, um, I guess, Vadi giving you a shout-out in one of his, like, 15 things or 10 things you didn't know about Bloodborne, which was super cool. Like, that must have been, like, a, uh, yeah. a really crazy cool feeling. Yeah, I was absolutely tickled. Like, I had been following Vadi's stuff since Dark Souls 1, I guess, and just... Uh, was really into to his lore videos and like his take on the world and of course his his soothing amazing accent um <laughs> so yeah i i was i was absolutely thrilled and and he uh, and uh, redgrave both sent me very nice messages uh, to ask if they could could credit me in uh in their videos slash uh well redgrave's was was more like yeah than 80 page <laughs> manual on bloodborne yeah. lore um, I, I still don't think I've actually finished the whole thing. Like, I, I need to really sit down one day and read the whole thing. Uh, to be honest, I, I also haven't. But uh, I was following, like, the lore posts that he was making on the Reddit up to that point, and it seemed like a lot of the same information. So I think I got it one way or another. Well, that's super cool. Um, I guess we, we kind of skipped through Dark Souls 2 and got into the Bloodborne stuff, but, like, with the way that you described Demon Souls earlier and having that like creeping horror, like Bloodborne had to have really worked for you, huh? Oh God, yes. Uh, <laughs> and I was a big nerd for Lovecraft even before uh, I got into Bloodborne. But my God, like I I started getting some Lovecraft vibes very early on in that game. I think even in like Central Yardum, that there's that uh, Madman's Knowledge item that mentions something like uh, old gods or elder mm-hmm. gods and then the whole insanity mechanic where the more that you had like the more freaky things would start popping <laughs> up in your games like yeah oh, sorry not insanity uh insight insight yeah, yeah which yeah. is you know the really interesting thing and in very lovecraft to have uh knowledge be kind of the source of corruption uh so yeah, yeah. knowledge actually having a negative effect yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and so you know i i kind of continued being like oh that's really cool but you know i doubt they'd really do much with it they're probably gonna sort of do the the dark souls thing of suggesting it uh the the presence of these greater forces on the sidelines but never really visit it but oh my god like when i got kidnapped and taken to hypogean jail like that was like a clincher (laughs) for me i was like oh i'm so into what they're doing right now like this is terrifying i like my palms are sweating uh, like the chanting was super creepy and atmospheric and I just oh yeah I, I was sold at that point and then <laughs> it just kept getting better from there oh yeah it, it gets crazy from that point forward yeah like uh, I think after the uh, the ROM fight when uh, 
uh, you you're taken to Yahargul, and and things mm-hmm. just explode and devolve like that. I was so thrilled, and I, I got there at like uh, it was very early morning, and my fiance came downstairs, um, and I was just like bursting at the seams to talk to somebody about this, and she had to shut me down because she was tired of hearing about Bloodborne at that point. Like I'd been playing it for <laughs> three days straight, and uh, just talking about it nonstop. I'm sure I was uh, very obnoxious at that point. Uh, so <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I don't remember if it was on this podcast or. Um some other podcasts, but uh, Sean, the lore hunter, uh, he has an anecdote about sitting down to the table and going, you know what? And his wife interrupts him and says, no Dark Souls talk at the table. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll save it for later. I have had to set similar restrictions on myself, uh, hopefully successfully. (laughs) It's so interesting that you say that about being kidnapped because, um, you know, Bloodborne was a game that Sony advertised very well and kind of kept that that mid-game twist pretty pretty Mm low-key. And um, I remember, I think by just first you of it only being available on one console, like like people, like it was even more of an unknown. Like yes. it was pretty much like the perfect Souls experience in my mind. Yeah. yeah. And um, having a group of friends that, that I'd made through Souls that like we all talked to each other and everything, like... I remember people being like, "So did the thing happen?" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know what thing you're talking. Like, no, you would know what I was talking exactly, about. Like, no, yeah. I have, I, and like, I had no, I totally missed the kidnap thing. Oh man! So like, I, yeah, I just completely missed it. And like, it wasn't until you know, number one, seeing Rom and being like, "Okay, this is getting really in the flyhead things or mm-hmm. the Garden of Eyes and." Um, you know the, the the names that Bloodborne does well are so evocative. I, I won't ever forget them. But like, anyway. Um, oh God, yeah. Rom the vacuous spider, Lady Maria right? the astral clock tower. Yeah, oh, they're man. so great, so evocative. But yeah, like killing Rom and then like that moon dropping down. And I, mm-hmm. I've said it on this podcast before. Like that's there's a reason. Like that's the YouTube thumbnail for all my Bloodborne videos. It's like my Twitter head header at right at right now. Mm-hmm. Still like it's like it's just. That moon coming down on, on that weird ocean floor is yes. just amazing. Yep. So good. Shit's getting real. Shit has got real. <laughs> and then, oh man, you, we mentioned it before, but the, like the rest of that game is is good, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff in it. But the the DLC is just a, a freaking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It is, and I love what it uh, kind of told us about the doll and about Garman. I, I, yeah, I love Lady Maria's lore. Like she is hands down my favorite character in, in all of these the Soulsborne games. Wow, nice, excellent. Yeah, Lady Maria. Um, and as it, and bonus points, like not only is she is she a significant like lore character, it's just a great fight mechanically. Like yes. it's it's a perfect like German was like the best end boss that they've ever done and probably still is. Mm-hmm. But man, Lady Maria is probably better than German in a lot of ways. Oh, I agree. I loved that fight. It's so good. <clears throat> well, um, we've we've got some time left, but I, and I want to get into Dark Souls three a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been having a lot of fun going back and forth in the Doug Feed Slack. Um, not just you and I, but like everybody in that Dark Souls three chat talking about like crazy lore stuff. Yeah. Are you are you pretty positive on on Dark Souls three right now? <laughs> <laughs> I I am positive on it. Yes, I I like it. I feel like um. I mean, the big thing that, that people complain about in terms of the lore is, is that it's kind of buried in callbacks, uh, you know, and it doesn't really do quite as much um, standing on its own merits as previous mm-hmm. titles have. Uh, 
I like what's there. I wish there was a little bit more of it in terms of unique lore that's introduced in this setting. Mm-hmm. That's not just an explicit callback to another title. Um, but there are some stories in there that I find really compelling. Um, like I, I think that uh, we've talked about uh, Gundir in the, the Slack uh, and about um, you know some potential uh, aspects of his history, which is mostly speculation on my part that n- nobody seems to share from what I've read online. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to? I mean, do you want to sum it up real quick? I'd love to hear it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the first time we we find him, and you know, the the item text we find about him very early on seems to be suggesting that you know he was this champion who is meant to link the fire. And he showed up late, so his firekeeper kind of expired, and uh, the there was an age of dark that followed it. Well, I don't think the age of dark thing is revealed till later, but I guess it's kind of implied at that point if he if he was late. Uh, but but when we go and we find the untended graves later, we encounter the Gundir that existed back at that time when he was a champion and not a judge, and uh, you know he's a. Uh, a whole different monster like he's not dark corrupted he's sort of more at the height of his power Uh, and as you go through the level and you pick up items and read the text and especially as you craft the 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 weapons and and items from his soul you you learn a little more uh, about uh, the fact that he may have been set up to fail from the beginning like uh, his weapon was crafted to be unbreakable and the item text suggests that uh, you know, the fact that it was made to be unbreakable implies that he was uh, not meant to die as a as a champion, but instead to, to be bound to this eternal service. So whoever gave him that was the one who set him on his duty to, to link the fire, but they didn't want him to succeed, or they didn't intend for him to succeed. So it uh, I, it's implied in Untended Graves that there was a betrayal that resulted in the Age of Dark. And I think that whoever was setting up Gundir to be a champion wanted this uh, eventuality to happen. So, like, knowing that, uh, his fight feels a little more tragic to me. Uh, And I, I feel like the music supports it in a way that like this is the kind of storytelling that I really like in a Souls game. You get a, a feel for the way that the fight is by experiencing it. And that music to me now, knowing what I know about Gundir, feels really tragic. Like it's sad. You've got the the violin in there, but it, it's also there's an air of desperation about it. And that's sort of how I imagine uh, like the state that he was in uh, when he finally did arrive at uh, the shrine to find it sort of cloaked in darkness and this this age of dark had descended on it because he wasn't there in time and that's uh, uh, the state that he was in when he was bound to this terrible duty of judging people that would go on to link the fire you know this this fate that had been meant for him but that he would never never succeed at he's kind of faced with that over and over again Man, Dark Souls is so fucking cool. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like, that's one of my favorite stories. I have no idea if uh, <laughs> if it's true, but I choose to believe it because I like it. 
No, no, I, I dig it. I, I like that. I like that interpretation a lot. I, I would be really interested to see like what what kind of stuff comes out of the DLC to support because I've got some stuff that I'm, I think about like Yorm and, and like that whole plot line is probably one of my favorites in the game. And uh, oh yeah, Se- just, Seaguard. Oh yeah, Seaguard and Yorm and the, the profane capital mm-hmm. and the dungeon, everything leading to is like some of my favorite stuff in the game. So I, I want like more stuff to support all of my stuff about that. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah, and they've got such a good track record with the DLC that I just have some pretty high hopes for it. Yeah, I know. And there's two of them. Yes, they've already they've already said that there's going to be two of them. It's so great. <laughs> I wish the fall was not so far away. Oh, I know. And then I mean, come on, the spring. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Emily, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, can you tell people where they would find you on the internet normally? Sure. Uh, yeah, I thought about this earlier. I'm not really big on social media. I do have okay. a, a Twitch channel that I use occasionally, uh, and that is chim underscore cheree, so C-H-I-M underscore C-H-E-R-E-E. And I have a Tumblr. Um, I'm going to give just my art tumblr which is chimagery uh c-h-i-m-a-g-e-r-y dot tumblr.com uh very both very slow moving and often neglected uh social media outlets but uh you can find me there occasionally excellent well again thank you very much um i i've really enjoyed this conversation you're one of the people that i i was kind of thinking about when i started this podcast of you know people that have interesting takes on this series and that have had had significant experience with it has had a big influence in their lives but you know they don't people that don't have podcasts or youtube channels (laughs) or anything like that to like talk about those things so that's that's exactly one of the reasons i started this and then proceeded to put a bunch of youtubers for the first five episodes which doesn't make any sense um but thank you again i I very much appreciate it thank you jeremy and, and thank you for putting together this podcast i'm really looking forward to hearing uh more episodes And as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. And you can also email me your stories for a chance to be on this podcast at DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.